Hello there. Welcome to episode 13 of the Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness Podcast. Uh, now today we've got a real treat for you. Um, remember me telling you about our wonderful admins in the group? Um, or Gina Hubert, who's uh, down in New Zealand, has specially recorded uh, a segment for us all about art and creativity. And uh, if you've been over to our YouTube channel, you will have seen some of her amazing, colourful, uh, abstract art and some, some of the natural art as well on the videos there. And uh, I, I think there's some really uh, powerful images in there. So that's a really good use of colour and things. Uh, so Gina's going to be talking about how art and creativity can, can help the brain to repair as well. So um, I'm going to leave with, with the segment now. Afterwards, uh, I'll come back with some messages and some questions and some interactions from the group as well. Um, plus, I need to send out a uh, kind of request um, too. So here we go. I hope you really enjoy this. We did. Hi there, I'm Gina and welcome. I'm speaking to you from Christchurch, New Zealand, and I'm an administrator from our group Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness Worldwide. I would like to thank David for inviting me to speak to you today. And this is my first audio. I am an artist. It's a hobby, but I'd like it to be a little bit more than that. And being an artist was actually an asset for uh, the benefits of improving cognitive setback after having a concussion. Initially, I was aware that my coordination with the brain and the hand when trying to paint, for example, there was it was just this lagging feeling and it was very frustrating. So I was determined to just keep trying. So I just started off with not having big goals, you know, um, I knew that was a little wee way down the track to actually come up with a piece of artwork that was as intricate as it had been in the past. So I went straight for abstract um, and also did some sculptures and that sounds a bit technical but the sculptures were basically just pieces of wood off cuts and I, I just glued them with um, wood glue into different sort of shapes um, and then I painted them red and then I painted them gold. So there was a little bit of the red came through the gold and that was intentional. And then I did um, a little bit of like collage on there so I glued some bits and pieces on there and then painted them. It was flat, like flowery patterns and things like that. Not um, not to the extreme. <laughs> um, but these actually, they were quite 
Oh, I suppose there was, there was quite a lot of work involved, but, it, you know, I had been used to doing intricate work. So for me, that was sort of taking a few steps back. And the best part about it was um, it, it was it was a more of a constructive creative exercise. And I, in the end, I actually completed quite a quite a number of these um, particular sculptures. So after that, um, I just I just kept practicing, um, coming up with. In some ways, I was using the fact that my brain was functioning a little bit different. Um, I had partial amnesia. I had lost a portion of my memory, but from the point of injury onwards into the future, I was gaining new memories, even though, you know, it was hard to retain them sometimes, particularly um, in, in the instance of being quite fatigued. So, but I found over a period of time that the old memories and the new memories sort of merged together. And so things started flowing better. So creative, creatively, my brain, because it was functioning dif differently, but it was improving a little bit over a period of weeks, a little, a little bit at a time. Um, I, I stuck to doing sort of more abstract work and I quite actually enjoyed that because that hadn't been something that I had really considered. Um, and so I actually had quite a bit of joy from doing abstracts. It was a bit of a new frontier, I guess. So after that phase, I decided to have a go at mosaics. Now, that's one of the main topics that I really wanted to push today is mosaics, um, or mosaic, mosaics. Um, it is a project that once you've actually got all the, the bits and pieces to get started, um, with a mosaic piece, you can actually leave the project out. As long as you've got a space that you can go back to and leave and um, get on with what has to other things you've got to do. But in your quiet time or you just need a little bit of cognitive therapy, absolutely recommend that. Um, so it, it doesn't have to be expensive. You can go to the op shops or church fairs and look for um, old plates. You know, you might pick up a, a bag full of old plates for $5 or you know, five pound. Um, and doesn't matter if they've got cracks in them. They might be old, they might be retro. And the thing is to get more flat plates. So you're looking at your, um, your saucer from your cup and saucer. Uh, bread and butter plates, cake plates, and dinner plates. So then it's just a matter of 
breaking those into little pieces and I use the just the um, bubble bags that parcels have come in and just keep those and and they're great for putting the plates in and um, and then go out and find a concrete drive or path in your back garden and 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 a hammer and just break those little bits of glass or china in the bag and you can just sort of take the little bits out put them into separate containers depending on the style so that's that's basically your china pieces just be very careful they are sharp those little pieces and you might want to wear protective goggles as well just to um, be safe when you're tapping that um, china uh, china wear so the glue i use is just a sort of a builder's glue it's like a tube of toothpaste a big bigger one you can put the lid on it so if you are doing a mosaic piece in your quiet time and you think no, I've done that for an hour I'm gonna have some some chill time or I've got to do this or that you can put the lid on the glue so there's no bowl of glue that you have to sort of think well, what am I gonna do with all this so um, yeah so you can you can actually do a mosaic um, on a like an old chopping board or you could get some MDF and um, I've even used an old frame like an old wooden frame and and you, with the wooden back and you've got that glued in uh, into the onto the frame and then you can actually mosaic in in that um, framework and you can then you can grout it so um, keep your pattern simple to start with um, doesn't have to be you know a Picasso or a, or a Da Vinci artwork um, stick to the basics and just enjoy put, putting all those little pieces together and to form um, a pattern so the cognitive benefit is deciding on what design you want even even breaking up the little wee pieces and sorting them um, that's excellent cognitive um, um, part of the process um, the, the gluing just all those little bits finding the big bits that go next to little bits and and eventually they'll form the whole picture and then you've got the grout side of it and that's quite simple and it's just I find that it's sort of quite relaxing um, you're putting the grout in amongst all those little glued in china pieces and then you're smoothing it and when it's all finished and dry um, and you'll find all those instructions on the back of packets drying times and so forth um, but then when it's finished it's just yeah you just sort of look at it and you think oh that was a lot of fun so um, yeah it's such a great achievement and it doesn't have to take a week or two weeks it can take three months it might be a project you might just like to work on in the warmer months it doesn't matter the thing is to enjoy it and let those cognitive exercises benefit your brain so it's been lovely talking to you today 
and I hope you're having a good week. I hope you're taking care and you're getting some peace and quiet because it's such a busy world today. And I look forward to speaking to you all soon. I'm such a long way away from probably most of you who are listening. All the way from Christchurch, little old Christchurch in New Zealand. Okay, well you all take care. Okay, bye for now. Wow, thank you Gina. All the way from Christchurch. That's uh, that's really uh been a joy to listen to as well um yeah and, and creativity when you you can do that either by yourself or you know if you, if you don't have any experience of, of art like I, I didn't really uh then you know just kind of find a group nearby find somebody else who, uh in the local community get in touch with a, a brain injury network as a group they have a lot of art activities as well or just something at a local community center uh, I remember making mosaics uh, a few years ago, um, doing doing a, a great big phoenix mosaic uh, with a group of people, and that that was just so much fun just to just to see it um, kind of taking shape over the weeks, um, and in the end it was really powerful, really colourful, and got a real sense of achievement out of that. So thank you once again, Gina. Um, Gina's been just out of these last ten years, that's how the group's been going. Gina's just been. At, like all the admins, just been absolutely amazing, wonderful. And like she says, she's such a long way away in terms of distance. Uh, I think we're normally about 13 hours apart. So, we, we, you know, conversations can roll on for a day or two sometimes. Um, but she's always been so dedicated and given so much of her time um, and her energy and her passion to the groups to, to support people and to guide people along the way to recovery so yeah a hu huge um, round of applause for Gina <laughs> and uh, thank you and uh, I'm sure we'll hear from Gina again um, and any anybody else out there um, who you may have a creative project uh, I know it's in the groups people do post music and poems and uh, other things as well so please feel encouraged to submit anything you want to say either in audio form if, if you don't want to come on and be interviewed uh, on, on the phone or whatever which is, is, is fine some people may not want that then please record an audio uh, or even a video. We can put it in a video cast if you prefer and uh, send them directly into me, uh, David Bottomley, at uh, the Post-Concussion Syndrome uh, Awareness Worldwide Groups. And I'd be absolutely delighted to uh, take the contributions. Uh, it, it's got to be your podcast as well. It's got to be the, the group kind of getting together, melding together, and sharing ideas, sharing passions, sharing creativity, sharing ways to heal as well. Uh, so to give it more of a sense of community about it as well. And no matter where you are on the planet, whether you're in Canada or, you know, United States or Mexico or Europe or uh, South Africa or Australia, New Zealand or anywhere else at all, um, then, you know, just, just join in if you want to. Right. So moving along now on to uh, some messages I've had, a couple on Twitter. Uh, the first one uh, was uh, regarding, uh, let me just find this now, a lady called Sharon, and it's regarding 
uh, recovery and uh, recovering and and diet as well. Um, she's asking how many people have had a, a major change in diet um, whilst recovering from PCS and has it helped? Um, Sharon herself says she, she's just, I think, moved on to just like a pescatarian diet, which is fish, vegetables, uh, and making sure she gets enough protein and like, uh, eating the rainbow and so on. Uh, well, that's an interesting question, Sharon. Um, I think, from my own point of view, I uh, until recently I was vegetarian for about sixteen years. Ate fish uh, more recently again, and, and occasionally very very lean meat protein. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's got to depend on you as a person and how you feel, what your body's telling you as well, and how how your kind of energy is too. So it's no good saying, well, oh, you know, you could be like a militant vegetarian or militant vegan. I, I know many, many people, and me included, you know, kind of didn't eat meat for a long time because I didn't like the way it was farmed and the, kind of some of the cruelty involved. But yeah. Uh, that's not to say that you should get political about it, in my opinion. You know, if you need to eat some protein, if you need fish, you need meat, then that's absolutely fine. There's no kind of judgment, nothing there. I think that's wrong to do so as well, um, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think with the vegetables, it's about getting the right kind of greens, leafy greens, alkaline food as well, Sharon. So I'm thinking about like okra, asparagus, spinach, uh, broccoli, uh, avocado, all kinds of things that that are really good. And eating the rainbow, yeah. So you've got like maybe swap your, your potatoes for sweet potatoes or, you know, like butternut squash and have that. I used to make like lovely uh, sweet potato and butternut squash instead of potato mash uh, and then like season it with a tiny bit of mustard, some turmeric um, and some fenugreek and black pepper and, and so on. And it, it could be like way, way, way tastier, in my humble opinion, than uh, normal mashed potatoes. So, yeah, I'm making me hungry now. So, yeah, creativity uh, um and thank you for your message, Sharon, as well. Uh, creativity doesn't just cover the world of art, but music as well, and cookery, and so many other things too. Uh, there's, there's quite a broad area. And I always thought that, well, you have to be able to get passionate about something. And I know quite often for you, your journey, you may feel totally switched off or turned off. Um, there was a period for many years when... I couldn't pick up a book and read a book at all. Prior to brain injury, I'd read a book a week, you know, and I mean like a decent-sized book as well. I would be any spare time, I'd be sat reading, reading, reading. But the injury changed me so much that I was frustrated and couldn't read. I'd pick up a book and open it to the first page. I'd get halfway down the page, and my mind would be in like Timbuktu or somewhere else completely. And I'd try to concentrate and focus, and it would just not go in. So what I did was I went on the uh, internet and found a load of audiobooks. You know, I looked for the books I wanted to read and I got them an audiobook. Um, and, you know, I would sit at night or whenever and listen to really soothing having somebody read to you. And even though I didn't quite still take it all in, it was so much better. And I could find that, well, actually, 
it would also help me fall asleep. Uh, in, in times when I I'd first got fibromyalgia as well, I think back to like 2008-9, I'd have real trouble sleeping. And sometimes with PCS, you do get that, you get overstimulated. And um, yeah, just I'd, I'd put the book on and they're thinking, well, I've got to this chapter, put it on. And then within half an hour, I'd be snoring away. <laughs> I remember once listening to, um, I had an a audio book on a bridge version of Moby Dick, which was like, something like 25 hours long it was ridiculous it was it was and I'd put it on my iPod and uh, I think I went to sleep at night put it on and then woke up in the morning (laughs) and he was like Ahab's like you know kind of like chasing the whale and I was like what oh I just like missed you know eight hours or something just being read to but I think things do go in that way so yeah consider audiobooks and um, you know I've always got plenty as well so uh, if, if you fancy something different or, or that ever get in touch with me I can always uh, send you a few to listen to you you know I've uh, got loads and loads of the things um, yeah so when you are going through PCS you may well find that you are robbed of your passions and you you're robbed of some of your creativity but don't don't let it don't let it get to you yeah if you find you that way, sometimes you just need to go and sit with other people or sit in a group where they are doing something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something you've done before, like if you've not painted before, if you've not made a mosaic before or or whatever. Sometimes just go along and watch and just sit and do little bits and start off doing a little bit, like Gina said. And then as you, as you get more and more into it, you'll develop a rhythm, you'll develop um, a, way, a way to you know kind of like steadily focus and enjoy it too um so yeah so uh thanks again to gina and and yeah we'll, we'll look forward to hearing more from you in future when when you get the courage to uh, record some more for us uh, it'd be great if you if you could do a, a fairly regular uh slot on art and creativity but I, w- I won't put any pressure on you okay um the next message i've got uh is from a, a lady who uh, i'll just call lizzie and uh, Lizzie, I believe, is in, where is she? Uh, it looks like Australia. Um, it's an abbreviation, but it looks like it's an Australian state. And Lizzie's asking about um, the, the programme, or the episode and podcast I did the other day on grief and disassociation, isolation, alienation, and so on. Um Liz is saying that uh, she found that the first thing her doctor did was just give her antidepressants and tranquilizers, and she she spent two or three years on those and got worse and worse isolation. And she wanted to ask if she if I thought or if anybody here thought that well, they can such drugs can cause uh, a lot of disassociation, isolation, or did they just make it worse? Well, Lizzie, it can be a little bit of both. Uh, the thing to do with medications is you get that fold-out leaflet with them, you know, the information leaflet, uh, which is basically there to legally protect the drug companies and to supposedly to inform you about what, what side effects and things could go wrong or what contraindications and so on. Um, and you will find, if you read them carefully, which I know is... is not ideal. Um, you can scare yourself to death sometimes if you read them. You will see that with most of the antidepressants, then anxiety and depression 
and disassociation are mentioned in the side effects uh, with anti-anxiety medications such as benzodiazepines, diazepam and so on as well. There's quite a range of side effects too. So unfortunately, uh, when when you use allopathic drugs like that to to try and suppress a symptom or to try and kind of like divert it uh, without healing it, then you do often get, it, it can worsen in some people, it can worsen. I remember taking... Oh, about 2006 or whenever it was, taking uh, Ciprolex or Citlopram. Oh, as an antidepressant, oh my God, it was like horrendous. Uh, after the first couple of months, I just got to a point where I was so uptight and anxious, I just couldn't function. I had to stop taking them. And, you know, the same with many other antidepressants and similar tranquilizers. So you've got to be careful, and I say the minute you do start to, to feel something like that, then you need to go straight back to your doctor, because uh, there may well be something there that, that really does help you. You know, some some antidepressants work well for some people, do nothing for others, and then can kind of be, be really uh, almost dangerous for others uh, with the effects. So yeah, you've got to find one that balances your personality and your psyche as well, and then think about in the long term, looking for alternative means to manage depression and anxiety as well, which is possible. It's not It's not out of the question, um, you know, through therapy, hypnotherapy, through the use of uh, natural serotonin boosters, um, and also, you know, w- with counselling too, so that you can find a way through to get to the core issues and then to, to learn to understand uh, the depression or the anxiety as well. But quite often with... PCS, it's situational. So if it was like you've lost your job, you lost your house, you've you know kind of lost friendships or or whatever, and, you know you've lost money, you've you've kind of struggled, you've been misunderstood, then yeah, it's going to cause depression. It's a lot of it situational, um, but then of course you don't get really get the time to to deal with it or heal it either. So thanks for your message as well, Lizzie, and. Um, Next, I need to make a plea or request, please, to any gentleman listening, uh, whether you're in our groups or not, um, please would you be able to come forward if, if you feel you can and contribute your stories, either through an interview or through an audio or, or get in touch with me directly, um, which you can get hold of me on Twitter, uh, at Post Concussion, on Facebook, David Bottomley, uh, you'll find me on the, on the admins of Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness Worldwide. And also you can contact me through uh, the website, the blog, which is postconcussionsyndromeawarenessuk.wordpress.com or you can email me at uh, thedavidbottomley at gmail.com. And yeah, please, because um, we need to do, we need to uh, get some balance as well and to uh, have some gentlemen come on and, uh, you know, talk about what they want to talk about and, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. So, yes, please do get in touch. Um, ladies as well, you know, we're not, I'm not kind of drawing any <laughs> any limits here, but just let's say yeah, anybody that wants to get in touch, um, you know, and then we can uh, incorporate those into the podcast as the weeks go on and the months go on. And um, then we'll kind of start to build up, you know, a, a good amount of information Um for people to to uh, use as a resource as well. So thanks again uh, for listening, and um, yeah, get in touch 
if you want to do. Any messages, any questions, any queries, any criticisms, any comments, all equally as welcome. Uh, so thank you again for listening and thank you to Gina uh, for contributing to this podcast and I will speak to you all again very soon. Take care. Goodbye. This is a very important disclaimer. In fact, it's not even a disclaimer. These are things that most sentient, intelligent, reasonable people actually know. And what am I talking about? In fact, in well, with the podcast that we're making, you have to be responsible. Myself, my guests and my podcast are not here to give you medical advice. We are not paid professionals. So, as society and the woke community dictates, we're here to say to you, any information which we put out in the podcast, anything we give to you, is not construed or considered in any legal way or fashion whatsoever as medical advice. Any reasonable person knows that. But you're always going to get one or two or maybe a few hundred people that really are just as dumb as A, B, C, X, Y, Z. So, please do not take anything we say as medical advice or any other way. Please do your own research, your own uh, just due diligence into whatever we say. And if you need, if you feel you need, if you really, because you could really trust yourself, feel you need the help, trust yourself to get in touch with your local practitioner, general practitioner, doctor, specialist, or whomever, or your psychiatrist, or whoever you're dealing with through post-concussion syndrome or any other health condition. And if I need to spell this out any more, just be really considerate and kind to yourself. And don't Please don't accept what we're saying as any kind of medical or legal or personal advice. I don't know how many other ways to say it, but I'm sure those of you who are intelligent enough will realise that, yeah, we don't give that kind of advice. And if you did want that kind of advice, you'd probably pay somebody that was really good at it to give give it to you in the first place. So don't worry about that. Uh, just enjoy the podcasts. And uh, this summit is 24 now at least and, and just, just really, really uh, have a, a wonderful time and please get in touch if you need to. But don't worry about um, thinking that, you know, anything else. Just just really, really enjoy what we're doing and so much love and respect to you all. Thank you.